welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast uh, with your host as always, Alan, uh, owner and operator of Coffee and Heroes uh, in Smithfield Market, Belfast. For this podcast, this is actually going to be a bit of a, a new angle on what we've been doing so far. We've been doing, obviously, the previews podcasts, the reviews podcasts, um, we've been reviewing movies every so often, and then we started recently at Book Club. This one's kind of a little bit of a book club, but I want this to be a open podcast to regulars of the store. Uh, I like the idea of getting many different voices on here and hearing different stories from different people. Um, <clears throat> the idea for this podcast actually came from who I'm about to introduce you to. Um, so I'm joined today by Jared. Hello, nice to be on the show for once. Indeed, he just hears all about these all the time. But <laughs> as soon as we told him he could come over for Sunday Roast... Yeah. and do a podcast I finally got him yeah. um, I first floated this idea of recording a podcast with Jared a few months ago simply because he had mentioned to me that uh, years ago he had done some notes on what we're about to talk about and he had had the idea of sort of starting up a blog and stuff like that but one reason or another it, it just didn't happen but the fact that he had prepared so much and that uh, a certain title had meant so much to him I thought this would be a good idea for a podcast so um I suppose I should just uh, introduce you to Jared a little bit, um, first of all. So, how did you first find our store? Uh, I think, first of all, I was actually recommended by one of the other re uh, regulars, Brandon, who had uh, told me about the store and how he would always, you know, that's where he pick, picked up his comics. I just came back from Scotland, so I didn't really, all I really knew about was Forbidden Planet. So, mm -hmm. the thought of, like, an actual comic shop, I just I had nobody, didn't, didn't have didn't have any idea that even existed in the nicest way possible <laughs> <laughs> well that's it yeah I mean we were obviously we're obviously still in a position where we're st people are still you know finding out about the store and so forth but um, it was just funny because when Jared first came in he, he did mention to me that Brandon had been sort of good enough to pass on about the store to us and it was quite a good story when he first came in because he approached me and said um, yeah, I'm looking for something specific uh, do you guys have Batman Earth 1 Volume 3 and stuff <laughs> and I sort of looked at him a little bit strangely like uh, that's not out yet um, he was like oh a mate of mine told me it was definitely out and I thought yeah. well these guys are gearing up to do this title Doomsday Clock and yeah. as we now know a year and a half nearly two years later <laughs> it wasn't um, even out at that point wasn't it? no but they had solicited for it because it came out in November 2017 I think it was around November-ish yeah. 2017 you'd come in because it was when we had the first store, which was the slightly smaller unit, and now obviously we've we've been lucky enough to move, but um, but yeah, he came in. Um, obviously, we didn't have that title because here we are, two years later, and it still doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, we'll get there one day. We'll which, get there one day. which for someone new coming into a comic book store and then making an absolute ass of themselves in front of someone who is like, oh well. That's just me looking like a complete asshole now. <laughs> you know? Well, hopefully you didn't feel like that too much. No, I mean, I, it, I mean, what we like to do in the store, we do like to think that we do have an approachable sort of demeanour and, you know, we know that everyone's knowledge of comics or level of their reading will all be different. So um, we ended up getting chatting that day and obviously he's a big Batman fan and um, ended up leaving that day, I believe, with Court of Owls, started the, yeah. the Snyder run. And then... 
from then on I think you came in about another week maybe two weeks later and was like I really enjoyed that what should I read next mm -hmm. and as soon as that idea came up I pulled out my diary and at the back of it I created a Jared reading list Yeah. Um, and there was two columns so there was Batman titles that he had read we sat down one day and went through everything I brought you a list you did <laughs> and then uh, I had ones that I would recommend that you hadn't read so I would sort of get them in for Jared on a sort of fortnightly basis that kind of thing and there would always mm -hmm. be something new um, it was a bit uh it was a bit overwhelming at the start because you know I had just gone in for Ben Planet and then you just see like what I remember explaining to you is like you see, you see New 52 and then there was Detective Comics and then there were advertising metal as well I was like mm -hmm. where do you even start yeah. type thing and that was the big problem for me is like where do you even begin type and then obviously Court of Virus is the perfect starting place for anyone really so yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, it, it can be a little overwhelming. You know, the comic industry's been going, you know, 80 plus years. Um, and finding starting points for people, I think, can be a little overwhelming. But yeah. again, it's something we do we'll do our best to, you know, try and have starting points in the store for people. And, and anyone who's in the store, and Jared's probably heard me then say it about 100 times since anyone, you know, he's been sitting at the counter and someone will say, I'm looking to get into Batman, where should I start? <laughs> and before the words are even out of my mouth, I can say I'm mouthing, um, so yeah, I mean, then you know, Jared's become a good friend through the store. Um, eventually, he had to accept I have to read single issues. Yeah, it was pretty much it was actually Doomsday Clock, wasn't it? Yeah. Or midway through the fifties of Batman. Was yeah, I think much. I think you wanted issue fifty because it was sort of going to be a momentous yeah. issue, and then you were going to use that as your jumping on point because for a good year, Jared was a strict trade guy. Yeah. That was it. I'm not interested <laughs> just, in singles. Yeah, I just, I just, I don't really like, don't really want to start collecting properly, and then you know, <laughs> next thing you know, I'm being left of Doomsday Clock talks, and uh, like after reading Watchmen as well. So that yeah, was another story really. Well, that's it. I mean, the the well, I like to think the store is nice and social, and obviously we chat a lot about comics and stuff, but we're we're conscious of the fact we don't want to throw out spoilers to people so I think with Jared it was a case of I don't want to be left out of the conversation yeah, anymore very much, yeah. maybe I should just jump into this so yeah I mean uh, one of the reasons I finally talked him into doing this podcast with me is because unfortunately he is going to be leaving us soon he's heading over he's not dying or anything don't worry um, he's moving over to Dundee um, new job yes new career new start away from hospitality <laughs> <laughs> away from the joys of Boozham yeah. and so forth um, so we are we are going to miss him but as I say I use that as a, a sort of an excuse for a well before you go we definitely have to do this because we talked about it for a while yeah um, so I suppose I should let you state what is the comic that got you in to comics it would have to be Frank Miller's magnum opus you know all-star Batman and Robin <laughs> no holy terror holy terror <laughs> no Dark Knight Returns Dark Knight uh, Returns I mean yes. you can't start with a better title can you no it's it's untouchable for me to be honest in mm -hmm. terms of I mean I would say that it's probably the best the best Batman story ever written mm-hmm um I've said it's the best comic book ever written it's completely subjective obviously yeah because um, <clears throat> he's written for both sides of the aisle um, but for me it's probably the, the, sh the best Batman title ever written mm -hmm. you know even just keeping it within Batman but I could, I could say I think a lot of people would probably agree that it's probably the best DC title ever written but mm -hmm. you know <clears throat> think things like Watchmen exist and there are strong competitors to yeah um, again <clears throat> like Court of Arles, probably for a lot of people probably yourself as well up there with like at least yeah. top three but I, I think most people would probably hold Dark Knight Returns even if they don't 
like it personally, mm-hmm. which I don't know why they wouldn't. <laughs> like it's uh, okay to be wrong. Sometimes, <laughs> um, they can't really argue with the, it's important the, the impact that the comics had. Yeah, even after it's made with all the references like from like other comic books and stuff and you know films like Batman, Superman, stuff like that. So. Yeah. No, that's it. I mean, uh, I think that it's you know I think that. Um, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams when they did Batman in the 70s they certainly helped bring Batman to a more mature audience but Frank Miller then took that up another notch yeah. with Dark Knight Returns so um, just just the basic info on Dark Knight Returns I mean it it probably is one of the most recognisable comic titles it probably is one of the most read comic titles mm-hmm. um, but just in case you don't know about it um, so it was originally released in 1986 um, it was a four issue prestige format series so you, you essentially had four 64-page issues, square bound, so it just felt luxury as well. Um, written by Frank Miller, uh, art also by Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen, and then colours by Lynn Varley. So Dark Knight Returns was a trailblazer in a lot of ways. One, as I say, it's, it's a very adult-orientated title. Uh, two, again, it felt special the way it was released. It helped Batman grow up a lot. But I think one of the main things for it for me is that and one of the things that you're still feeling the impact to some of the biggest titles of this day is that you never really saw a superhero get old. Yeah. You know, you in comics, super superheroes are kind of ageless. It's you like know, twenty nine Batman is isn't Yeah, I mean, I always have an image in my head of Batman in his early thirties. Yeah. Um, sort of peak physical condition. He's in my mind. If I'm reading a Batman story, Batman's been Batman for ten years. I don't know yeah. why. It's just he's been Batman for ten years. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether he's against <clears throat> the Court of Isles, Hush, Joker, whatever. In my mind, Batman's mid-30s, peak physical condition, old enough that he can be a mentor, but young enough that he's still like the top of the game. Yeah. So for this to be an introduction of a character who's suddenly 55 years old yeah. um, is, is nuts. Um, and you yeah. know, to bring it to modern comics a little bit, there's a great title at the moment called Spider-Man Life Story, which is showing Peter Parker getting older. Yeah. Like, you can still see the impact of Dark Knight Returns, and this is 33 years later. Yeah. You know? Well, that's what Frank Miller was saying as well when he made it. He's like, he wanted to make Batman older than he was. Yeah. And he says, was it, he says, the impossible age of 50 or something like that. You know, and yeah. that was back in the 80s sort of thing. So... Yeah, obviously just went. Ah, I just want to make him older, so because <laughs> I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to be older than Batman type thing. You know. Well, I mean, he, he wrote Dark Knight Returns. He wrote Batman very out of um, order in a sense because his first Batman story was smack bang in the middle of his career. His second Batman story was Dark Knight Returns, which is at the end of his career. Mm. Then he went back to the start of his career <laughs> and defined that with Batman Year One. Essentially, wrote the definitive origin. Yeah. Um, for the character as well. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's it. I would agree with your statement with regards to A, the quality, and B, the importance. I mean, Dark Knight Returns is a stalwart in my top three bad stories yeah, of all time. it's pretty unshakable. Yeah, <laughs> it, I don't think it'll ever leave it. Um, Dark Knight Returns is one of those ones that I read once a year without fail. Yeah. I read Watchmen once a year without fail. I read Year One once a year without fail. Um, and I always get something new from it. Um, I mean, even you were saying the other day, I mean, we'll, we'll jump into the meat, of bones, yeah. and the meat and bones in this in a moment, but... I thought it was interesting you had mentioned to me the other day that you had a, uh, a wee quick read through it again yeah. and you noticed this little tiny detail when bandages are being unwrapped from Harvey Dent's face yeah, that they, they actually split the image split the down page. the middle yeah. um, it's sort of smaller things like that like I know um, that I had never really picked up before because it was this is pretty much the first graphic novel that I ever read so I just sort of 
I just never really picked up on that sort of thing. Yeah. So what reading it again, just looking at the art, and I was like, okay, that's actually pretty cool. Because like Watchmen does it a lot as well. It's just like the how the art actually portrays the story as well. Well, I mean, let's let's jump into it. We've both got a copy of um, Dark Knight Returns in front of us. Um, let's see. So Dark Knight Returns, as I say, it kicks off um, in an interesting way where. Bruce Wayne is basically racing in like this, um, it's almost like an Indy 500 type race across Gotham um, and straight away I'm blown away by the art instantly simply because I think a lot of stories will start off with a big splash page or a big look at our great art. Yeah. This starts off with 16 panels on the first page. <laughs> Just straight in there. like Straight in there you've got, you know, and they're, and they're all different sizes, you've got you know, you've got like his inner monologue above his head, but at the same time, there's there's lines of dialogue as yeah. well. Um, but but the one that always, the line that always hit me the most in this was where, um, so the car starts to, he's basically going too fast in the car. He's pushing it too hard. Suddenly, flames are appearing. Voices in his ear are like, you know, can't, you know, it isn't programmed to go this yeah. fast, Bruce. But the car starts exploding, and the line that always struck me at the start was. This would be a good death, but not good enough. Yeah. So like, instantly straight away, you're just like, why? Well, it's sort of it's sort of it sets the tone for the whole book, really. Like, it's straight in. It's telling you exactly what's going on. You know, like he almost has a death wish. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like, like it's good. It'll, it'll be good to die here, but it wouldn't be that good. You know, I, I could die better. <laughs> sort of thing. Well, that's yeah. it. I mean, if you you break down the character of Batman, I mean, when he when he was first created, he was seen as like this. I don't want to say happy-go-lucky, but he was seen as this, you know, rich guy who's like, "Oh, I'm going to clean up Gotham." But yeah. when you get into the more adult-oriented Batman stuff, he essentially is a guy that does have a death wish. You know, he jumps off of buildings, he <laughs> swings across Gotham, he's in a fast car at all times, he's going up against some of the most psychotic and homicidal maniacs in the city. Yeah. So, in a sense, he does have a death wish, but I don't think I'd ever seen it so explicit until yeah. here. Um, like going back to it, like. Maybe if you'd never read Batman at this point, you don't really know he's he's retired. Yeah. So in this, in reading back, and you go, okay, he is retired. So he's he's obviously trying to find that adrenaline rush they used to get from being Batman's. Like, yeah. I'm going 200 miles here. 200 miles. All right, I could die up here. This feels great because I, I haven't felt this in 10 years because he's been he's been out of business for so long. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Even like, he almost looks more like Robocop at the, yeah. the start here than Batman because which of is, the, the shape of the helmet, which is interesting. Which is you know very timely because Peter Weller playing doing the voice of Batman yeah in, in the in animated the, movie as yeah. well but um, and also I believe Frank Miller wrote was it Robocop 2 he wrote one of the Robocop movies yeah. anyway um, but yeah as I say the the fact that it starts off with a 16 page panel art and then it, it jumps after that to a lot of sort of TV commentary this is always a good way of you know letting you know what's going on in that world you know very quickly so yeah. you know you see Gordon is you know receiving death threats you see that he's getting ready to retire you know he's there's a little close-up on the TV of him and it's like I've got four weeks to nail those bastards you know yeah. that kind of thing and then this is where as you say with when you see Bruce the first time you maybe think oh he's still Batman yeah but on the second page it says you know today marks the 10th anniversary of the last recorded sighting of the Batman dead or retired we still don't know yeah. um, but I really like this well this is a, a, another lovely touch like this is such a well written book in the details <laughs> but just a little bit there of our younger readers will not remember the Batman a recent <laughs> survey actually say that most high schoolers consider him a myth yeah. you know it's um, it's just great great writing um, I think on the second page really sets the tone for 
Bruce more than anything. Like um, when he's talking to Jim Gordon, they're sort of rec- like reckless, like talking about the past, mm-hmm. and he's walking through the streets of Gotham. Um, you sort of get the sense of how he feels about not being Batman. He's, he's like he says, "I'm a zombie, a flying Dutchman, uh, a dead man, ten years dead." So he, you know, he's considering himself dead, even though he's he's literally still alive. But mm-hmm. Batman was his life, so if Batman's not about. He's, he's dead on the inside essentially you know he has no meaning so he's obviously going to try and get that adrenaline rush of nearly dying in a car crash but he's fine with that sort of thing you know well it's even interesting at that point because you know he still has his wealth and his resources as you find out as you go through it it's not like he's some homeless bum now yeah but he's obviously never felt he can help Gotham as Bruce Wayne because you would think in these 10 years he would maybe have done something yeah but as you say he's just like yeah I've been dead for and 10 years even the even the guy holding the signs and we are damned it's, I mean there's, there's so much <laughs> subtle hints to the about how Bruce feels about not yeah. being Batman anymore you know and it's interesting as well that's probably the um, the first time in a Batman book that it's been revealed that Commissioner Gordon knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman oh yeah never, you know, never thought about that you know he's like oh remember the old days Bruce that playboy routine you with your ginger ale um, and then again as well just the world building's good where you know Gordon says spoken to Dick lately and Bruce says you know not for seven years you know that but you still like that never really gets built upon yeah but it's still sort of like that's why there's not a Robin by his side or that's you know it's not like Dick has taken over as Batman or there's mm. been a successor or anything like that how'd Death in the Death, death in the Family alright happened this Death in yeah. the Family yeah it happened with obviously Jason Todd and you know where, where Jason dies at the hands of the Joker um, prior to this so um, but yeah as you say he's walking home you know he's um, he still feels confident enough in his own ability even as an old man like mm. if someone jumps me I can defend <laughs> myself with nothing to worry about here um, but I like that he actually does get jumped by this mutant gang and they're too afraid to they're about to start and they're like oh, I don't know he's a bit big man. He, 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 looks in. In, he looks into it as well I don't yeah. want to continue with this but at the same time he still feels he feels he's failed in his mission as Batman because you know he basically you know falls to the ground and he's like you know this world is theirs now yeah you know I, f- I feel like obviously you know it is the first issue so it's it's obviously setting up a lot it's setting up the world you know it's mm-hmm. setting up setting up the characters and where they are where Gotham is like you know they're in the middle of a heat wave it's causing all these um, all this crime to happen with the mutant gang and yeah it drives people yeah. crazy as they say yeah and it's going through all the sort of gets through the characters pretty quickly like you're only a few pages in it's talking about Batman it's talking about setting up a new villain setting up the, the environment and then it's straight to the Joker and then straight to Two-Face you know, I mean it's it, it's quickly it's you know it's really efficient yeah it, 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 I assume it it, it it thinks the reader already knows who these characters are yeah you know? But even just the efficiency of like they're talking about the mutants and I've just seen that line of dialogue there. This just in, a dead cat has been found stable to the door of the first <laughs> church. The mutant gang is suspected. Like it's sort of showing them like how low they are and how violent they are. Yeah. You know, because it, it's really weird in a way that maybe it's something to do with modern society. I don't know. Violence against humans is one thing, but violence against animals is yeah, always seen as worse. With the new low. But um, yeah, as you say, you're, you're then going to Arkham at this point and you've got the Joker who's just in the background and you know as you go on through this you see that the joker ever since batman disappeared has just like had no purpose you know he's Um, lost his he's lost his meaning too (laughs) but just again a little detail and again i've I've read this book so many times and i've only just noticed it you had mentioned before about like how they split the like two face in half yeah he's in room 602 because he's always obsessed with two 
the number two. Oh, right, okay. And yeah. Joker's in 601, which sort of makes him like the number one villain. <laughs> but because Harvey's always been obsessed with two, yeah. I, I only just noticed he's in room 602. Um, but yeah, so you've got these um, doctors, psychiatrists, plastic surgeons who are convinced they can, you know, heal Two Face. Mm. And they wrap it, they take the bandages off, and, you know, he's back to being Harvey Dent. Oh, he looks like Lex Luthor. <laughs> yeah, and these guys are all really smug about it, and, you know, I believe at one point um, they give Harvey a coin and he's able to show the both sides oh, yeah, are clean. They're not scratched or anything. Yeah. But I like as well that it shows that straight away Superman exists straight away in this world. The doctors were in Superman t-shirts as well. Yeah, true. Um, so again, Bruce is going back to you know the nightmares of you know when his parents were killed and discovering the Batcave, and th- this is the only part of it that it works in the book for me. But when I watch the animated movie, it's a little bit silly. Um, which is where he's in sort of a trance and sleepwalking yeah. and he somehow shaves his moustache while sleepwalking because <laughs> a ridiculously old Alfred is still around at this point <laughs> it must be like over a hundred years old I mean you have to think if Alfred I always think of Alfred as in his 60s yeah. so if you say he's in his 60s Batman Bruce is in his early 30s 55 out 25 like he must be mid to late 80s so yeah. he's definitely an old guy at this point well um, it's like that the whole thing about for me Bruce in this story is that it almost feels like he has PTSD on top of his PTSD from he has PTSD from his parents then but now he has PTSD from not being Batman yeah. and he's being hunted by these dreams he's almost like he's being because in the later pages you see like the giant bat in his dreams attacking him and like, yeah. caught, like almost like assaulting him because it's like you know he can't really escape being Batman you know because he's he's dead otherwise yeah not even age can stop yeah. being Batman <laughs> essentially yeah but again going back to sort of the efficiency of the storytelling here one page you've got a smiling Harvey Dent and with his you know coin that's newly minted and the next page it's like uh police are uh, issued an all points bulletin for Dent <laughs> and so straight away he's already returned to yeah. his crime um, to his criminal ways and again you see a scratch coin again within a it's, there's there's a lot of um, I'm trying to find the word like you can't like you can't, it's like no matter how no matter how much you change, you're always going to be the same. Yeah. Which is the big theme for this, I think, this book. No yeah. matter how much Bruce doesn't want to be Batman, he will be Batman. He's always going to be Batman, and it's the same with the same with Dent. You can, yeah. you can fix his face, but at the end, he's still going to be Harvey Dent. Right? Yeah. And the Joker may have his years of not doing anything, <laughs> but eventually he's going to come back and murder hundreds of people, <laughs> uh, which you see later on. Yeah. Alfred's always going to be a smartass, no matter yeah. what. I love that line. It's like, if the face an empty wine cellar, <laughs> I see that there's going to be yeah. another. Taken almost word for word for Batman v Superman, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, then after that, you get again Bruce almost living inside this dream of the night his parents died. Now, this is something that we've seen almost ad nauseum at this point. We've seen it a million times, but back then you hadn't really seen. You know, no one had really delved into the horror of the night he lost his parents and that visceral violence, and you know the the pearls being ripped off of his mother's neck and mm. all this kind of stuff so again you're just getting more and more visceral here yeah. um, it's, it's almost like it's being narrated by the bat <laughs> yeah. you know in your soul for I am your soul you cannot escape me it's like yeah. and you see him it's actually it's, it's really good because like the tension in the scene builds up so well because he's flicking through the TV channels and there's just all these people like all the murderers and everything and, and like you say you could like even reading it you can tell there's a lot of tension in it because yeah. you know he has to do something and he's being tortured by this you know the mental image of a bat you know and he's like he knows that he has to he can't really escape from it so he's just going to embrace it yeah um, 
Well, that's it. It's, you know, wines. You know, you cannot stop me. Not with wine or bars <laughs> or the weight of age. You cannot stop me, but still you try. Still you run. You try to drown me out, but your voice is weak. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, as you say, and then it obviously culminates with the, you know, the bat crashing in through the window. Yeah. Um, and then you get, like, this rumble of thunder through the, the Gotham sort of skylight. I think this is probably one of the best build-ups to a reveal of a character I've ever read, yeah. ever. Because it's just... You know, you see all this stuff happening, and you can you can so you can just easily you so easily picture it in your mind with like, you know, with the like the thunder and the lightning and everything bad yeah. happening in Gotham, because it's finally you know because it's it's finally started to rain from, it's like it's finally started to rain in Gotham after this heat wave and it's, yeah. the thunder and it's dark again. You're about to get this baptism. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a little bit of symbolism in there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you have all this horrible stuff. You know, just a woman walking home with her groceries and then this like creepy mutant. Uh, gang member comes out of nowhere. It's like, oh, I need you, mommy. Make me feel safe. You know, talk soft and all this kind of stuff. And then boom, glass through the hands. And, like, and, th- and this is a great example of how great the art is as well, and the setup of it. As you say, the slow reveal, but it's literally the last panel on one page, and you have to turn the page. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's where you're. There's like crash, and there's all these shadows, and you know the woman saved, and then another th- bolt of lightning, mm-hmm. and then again you get a. a a look no. at how corrupt the soul of Gotham is that even like a taxi driver this this guy shoves a woman into the back of his cab and he's like no not in here and then he gives him money he's like alright make it quick yeah you know that kind of this, this is one of my favourite parts of the book as well because um how brutal as well like him stomping down like when once they're like oh what's that on the top of the car and then just puts his hand out stomps his food so they're like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's some titans level violence right there <laughs> But even just the fact that then there's a glove reaches in, takes the money off the driver, and then you just see it being ripped in front of him. Um, again, like the thunder's getting bigger and bigger and taking more and more over the page. Um, then we're introduced to Carrie Kelly for the first time, who yeah. will of course become a more prominent figure as we go on. Yeah. Uh, but same again, so you've got this point where um, these two young girls are getting ready to walk through an arcade and then the lights go out. And then again, that means they can use the shadows more and more. I mean, this is the first part you get well, I mean obviously it's the Dark Man yeah. Returns you know it's Batman but this but did you know it's Batman this is, is the first point you see Batarangs in a yeah. hand um, and then taking down mutant leaders and there's a large level of violence but at the same time it doesn't kill anybody um, and just when you think they're going to reveal it they go yep. they, they jump to a news report yeah and there's all these lines as you say building up it's like you don't suppose and yeah. you know all this kind of stuff um but the great the, line from the police officer is like, "Oh, you're in for a, you're in for a treat, kid." <laughs> he realizes. Well, again, we've talked about just very briefly about how this is a big influence on Batman v Superman, but this is actually a line taken word for word for Nolan. The Dark Knight Rises is, yeah. "Oh, son, you're in for a show tonight." Yeah. Um, which is, again, the Dark Knight Rises, although it's not a blatant reproduction of this, you know, in that story. Pardon me, Bruce hasn't been Batman for eight years. Yeah. And then he comes back, and and so on and so forth. Although, what's interesting with Nolan's interpretation compared to this is, in the eight, eight years Batman's been away and Dark Knight Rises, Gotham's got better. Yeah, It's built on a lie, but Gotham's got better, whereas in this, Gotham is just... Yeah, you know, even, somehow, plunged, even, somehow even worse. <laughs> plunged into the depths of hell, essentially, at this point, you know. So, um, But yeah, as you say, you've got this build-up and build-up and build-up, and then, yeah, boom, the you turn the page. And that's it. And, I'm, and this, am I right in saying this is the first splash yeah. page of the whole book? as I say there's lots of this 16 panels like I can only imagine how long this t- took to draw yeah. um, but it's all 16 page panel or 16 panel pages and so forth and then this is the first splash page 
saving the saving the <clears throat> get the first splash page to be the biggest picture, which is you know it takes up Batman takes up the whole page yeah. now. I mean. <laughs> and it's probably and again it's some of the best dialogue of the whole book. You know yeah. this should be agony. I should be a massive aching muscle, broken, spent, unable to move. And were I an older man, I surely would. But I'm a man of thirty, of twenty again. The rain on my chest is a baptism. I'm born again. Yeah. Um, and then this is Batman going after. I think it was a couple of guys who robbed the bank. Yeah. Um, lands on top of the car. They end up in a big construction site. Um, and then again, this is something that uh, they took very quickly in Dark Knight Rises, where um, Batman's like, "Oh, these men are mine." You know, yeah. the cops are like, "Yeah, it's your first day in the job, so <laughs> just, just let him go." I think one of the the best things that I like about Dark Knight Returns is just the inner monologues like him talking to himself like mm. you know like like in that splash page revealed but you know um like there's one there like there's seven working defenses from this position three of them disarm with minimal contact and three of them kill but the other just hurts <laughs> you know i mean it's like it's that sort of like it's almost like sadistic but yeah. it's, it's it's like a very dark humor to it you know well yeah that's it i mean it's like the cops saying you've crippled that man he's he's young he'll probably yeah. walk <laughs> but he'll stay scared won't you punk yeah Chandler is in her dirty Harry right there, isn't he? <laughs> well, the thing is, the the animated adaptation of this is brilliant. It's it's yeah. really really well done. But now I can't read this without hearing Peter Weller's voice, which is a good substitute for Kevin Conroy, for, it is. especially for an older Batman. No, it definitely is. Um, but yeah, so you have this. This is the first reveal of you know Batman properly, and people now know Batman is back, and. I love that the first reaction yeah, that, to that, that. That's what I was going to say. The first thing you see after seeing Batman being back is the Joker is being the back. the Joker, blank face, blank face, hoping his eyes. Yeah. Batman. And then it's like, darling. Yeah. <laughs> Big smile on his face. And already you just know the Joker is starting. The cogs yeah. are starting to turn. Um, and then there's some really good sort of political stuff here where, you know, some people are arguing for, I think that's Lana Lang, isn't it? Um, some people are arguing for Batman some people are arguing against and this is this is always something I've loved about the character of Batman I love this interpretation that in a way he creates his own villains because yeah. be, all these crazy people want to challenge him yeah. you know and, and essentially the Joker's been dormant for 10 years it is interesting to think how worse Gotham could have got if the Joker wasn't dormant. <laughs> no Batman plus uh, you know a rampant Joker but yeah. um, the fact that he doesn't kill you know, it's like, well, if you just kill them, then the win be. It's like, well, you know, that breaks the rule. So yeah. So again, you're going through all the political machinations of it. You know, Gordon's uh, winding down to retire, but obviously he's happy. Batman has come back, mm. and then you start to get the first proper stuff with uh, the mutants, um, where the mutants are coming on the television and saying, "We'll kill the old man, Gordon, and then Batman will be next, and we are the future, and all this kind of thing." Um, but again, this is another sort of <clears throat> this is another slow reveal. This part because you see people going up to the roof again of the Gotham PD. Yeah, you see it all in shadows, and it's like, isn't there some other way to call them? Or <laughs> it's like at least a dozen. Then why to let them know Merkel to let everyone know yeah. hit it, and then again, big page bat symbol in the air. Again, there's a version of that in The Dark Knight Rises, except it's the fire Batman oh, uses yeah. to put the symbol Forever. on the bridge. You're still in the as well, Carrie Kelly looking up as well. So yeah, so that's it. It's it's starting to be a case of Carrie Kelly starting to be inspired by Batman. So yeah. obviously Carrie Kelly, as we know, will continue to. Did they did they ever reveal that she would be uh, Robin and like 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 obviously this is the first time you were seen her, but was 
was it just like a random thing like oh this is like a, like yeah, a surprise this, this was a character created for Dark Knight Returns yeah, yeah it's not like Carrie Kelly was a because you've never seen an older Batman obviously she would have never existed because she's only what 15 yeah. 16 that kind of thing so but um, yeah again you've already you've got the Joker starting to um, the wheels are starting to turn as he's <laughs> chatting to someone who's come in to uh, to visit him at Arkham and already he's starting to talk about you know what kind of bombs then you've got a couple of great scenes which are definitely something they took for Batman v Superman, all that imagery of Batman with the sniper rifle and yeah. the docks and all that kind of thing. Trying, it was a Harvey Dent was trying to blow up the Gotham trade, the Gotham Towers essentially. Was yeah, essentially it could be the trade, the one trade center or something like that. I do like that. There's a line here with uh, Two Face is actually quite funny where he's like. If you don't want me to do this, the price is five million dollars. I would have made it too, but I've got bills to pay. <laughs> so yeah, actually, has. even even in the crime syndicate, you know, they still have to pay their electricity bills and stuff. You know. Yeah. Um, I think you know mostly. This is all. This is all within the same of the first. This is the all the first, first book. book as well. So there's so much to take. Like the pacing of the first book, just to set up the scene in the world, mm-hmm. is crazy. You know, it's just. Batman's gone. Now he's back. Here's the villains. <laughs> the villains are bad straight away. There's no slow build up. It's like, like it's such a great first issue. Yeah. No because it has to it has to pull you in. Yeah. You know? Well, this is another great little touch that I think it was I think it was Frank Miller that introduced this idea first, um, which is where Batman gets shot in the chest. He gets shot on the bat symbol. Uh, yeah. And people have always said like, why does he have such a bright symbol on his chest? It's campy. It's whatever. But there's a line of dialogue there where he says why do you think I wear a target on my chest can't armor my head um, so it's it's almost a case of it's that's what it. catches your eye as a shooter Yeah, you aim for that and then that's obviously where he has the heaviest padding and the heaviest sort of you know, bulletproof vest and so forth yeah. and there's a great story that came out of that idea in Detective 1000 that Kevin Smith wrote yes where they melted down the gun melted down the gun that killed his parents and yeah. then he uses that as a, as a chest plate so yeah you've no, got all this big another big splash page of Batman just swinging from the air of a helicopter you know 55 year old man just <laughs> swinging through um, one of the the scene where these chases down Harvey here and he, he, has, he has them captured where he's talking about how like what like, what do you see is like oh I just see a reflection yeah a reflection of himself really you know which is really really nice and that concludes just the first book yeah. as you say there's there's so much to take in just from the first book um, but escalation just continues 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 um, so maybe talk about like, favourite scenes or maybe it's a summary of like because like generally there's a lot, lot of tension between of the first book or just the, of, the, of the book in general you know like the tension between Superman and Batman because well that's it I think it, I think that idea starts to come up in book Two is it where you see Batman with um Yes yeah, so he fights the you fights the mutants. The mutants sort caught. of take uh, center stage in the second book from what I remember. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the idea of Superman's still not really being mooted at this point. So <clears throat> the second book sort of begins um with the whole idea of right, Batman is very much back now. Yeah. It's no longer a secret, it's no longer an urban myth. Batman's back and then you start to see Carrie Kelly dressing up as Robin. Um I mean, she she has a bit of a strange Robin at this point because she's not really trained in any no. way. <laughs> she she seems like she has a bit of gymnastics skill because she just sort of flips out of her house. <laughs> yeah. And tells her non-existent parents like she's like I'm I'm away to be Robin now, bye. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get the feeling that um, the her parents are just two stoners. Really. Yeah. 
because I think they're arguing about some political some political campaign or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So now that Batman's officially back, he's starting to hunt down the mutants. Um, so the first sort of scene here is I think the mutants have kidnapped a child. Um, it's like the the child who's the heir for um, was it the heir of like some some fortune mm. what is it ba, 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 ba. I'm sure we'll come to it at some point um, but yeah it's uh, essentially the heir to some massive fortune so they're like right we want a million dollars and then Batman just basically takes them down bit by bit including one of the greatest parts yeah <laughs> also also taken scene for scene pretty much from Batman vs Superman yeah, yeah. where he uh, crashes through the wall and just brings someone through it um, so and then so much brute force is just like so they you know con- well, not maybe not concrete but you know they just the fact that he bursts through it he's like I'll kill him he's like I believe it's alright <laughs> yeah yeah so you jump from there you've got um, Carrie Kelly sort of following Batman around there's a lot of again posturing between who if, sort of if there like, should there be a Batman type thing yeah like, and then that revealed pardon me with the uh the the mutant guy just has hanging off the edge of a thing, just terrorizing, like <laughs> threatening him, and he's just like you see the big grin on his face as well. If you, if you sort of flip the page around, he's loving. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like you're not really in a position to argue, be arguing with me here. You know, it's like, <laughs> let me show you the situation. Yes, yeah, so I think the, the well, second. That's it. There's a great line of dialogue just for that there, yeah. where he says it was tough work carrying two hundred and twenty pounds of sociopath to the top of Gotham Towers, the highest spot in the city. The scream alone was worth it. <laughs> yeah. The second book definitely focuses more on the the mutant leader and yeah. the mutants in general because you know he's going through now and he, he eventually ends up at their I guess like a swamp almost like the outer parts of the city with his tank. Is <laughs> it was best be described as a tank? Well, even before you get to that, I mean the the stuff with the the mutants on the subway again showing how sadistic they are. They they steal a bag off. Like this part kills me because it's um it you get introduced to this woman, um, and she's talking about how her legs hurt and she works two jobs, but you know she needs to do that because she's paying for her son's braces. Mm. Um, so she's like she feels the metal square inside her person, smiles. Almost nobody tips anymore, but an uptown drunk left ten dollars on the table tonight, you know, and she's talking about like her son has talent and all this kind of stuff. And then one of the mutants just grabs her bag, but then stuffs it back to her. But then she's walking along, and they're smiling in the background. Then it cuts to a news report, and they're like, "Woman, <laughs> woman explodes in subway yeah, station." It's just like, how low can they make these like these bad guys? You know? But also, just this is how horrible Gotham is. That this is just the norm because yeah. the news is like, "Woman explodes in subway station." Film at eleven. You know, yeah. it's just like this is this is the way of life of how horrible it is. They don't have enough time to report on it. <laughs> yeah. Then you have that class image of you know. Batman on the next page. What is he holding? It's a body draped in an American flag. Um, it, it does look a little bit out of place. It's not like it follows a sequential story, so to speak. But the person's got a gun in their hand, and he just seems to be holding. So it's almost like the death of the American dream or something. I yeah, suppose some pretty. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past Miller to do something symbolic as that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, as you say, you're you're starting to see a wee bit more of Carrie Kelly as well. Like she's broken up like some guy you know, doing <laughs> illegal cards on the, the yeah. you know, firecrackers and stuff like that so she's got the right idea but you know we haven't quite got to the point where Batman's like burning a new person to train yeah, <laughs> a, new, a new child to steal from the streets <laughs> but uh, yeah so you're starting as you say to get the, the mutant type stuff where 
you know, it's escalated now to a point where he's like, I need to stop this. I mean, this is, I mean, we're, we'll, we'll talk a, a bit, maybe at the end, about favourite scenes and so mm. forth, and, and it's easy to say the whole book is that, but <laughs> this is one of my absolute favourite parts of the book, which is where Batman attacks the mutants, and he's, as you say, he's in this big, massive tank. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I'm a big fan, as anybody who knows me, like, I'm a big fan of the Nolan movies, and I love the design of the Batmobile in it, and I get the feeling this is where Nolan took his inspiration. It should look like a tank. Yeah. Now, the Batmobile in his movies weren't quite <laughs> as big as this. Um, but I mean, if you look at that guy, if you just assume he's maybe like six feet, yeah. and that thing's about maybe like 15 feet, <laughs> and it's probably just, just as long as well. So, But look at that. Like the, you know, he, he puts this uh, big warning out. He's like, you know, mutant surrender and RB destroyed. They don't even wait for the order young people these days no respect for history <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah so you've got all of that and then you've got um, a part where he's basically the mutant leader is looking down the barrel of the biggest gun from the Batmobile mm. and he calls Batman a coward and even though he's like I really shouldn't go out here like this guy's got 30 <laughs> years of me <laughs> but he just dissed me <laughs> he's double the size but he basically just called me a pussy <laughs> and then again you get another beautiful beautiful slash page where he just that's, jumps out that's probably one of the more iconic splash pages like that's yeah that's been recreated so much <laughs> even that uh, that um that thing one that Karen has shared before um mm-hmm. it's pretty much the thing but it's in the exact same pose uh, yeah even even just before there, but when he's talking about the, was one of the wee quips that I like about Frank Miller, like rubber bullets, honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so a big fight starts out between them, and this this fight's beautifully visceral and violent, and you know it, it would have been easy to write a Batman book where even though he's in his fifties, he still wins like easily. But you really feel every single punch in this. <laughs> yeah, because you know, ass handed to him, like it, he, it he, kicks off where he's like, you know, I help him swallow the rubbish, and then you know. A beauty to a solar plexus. I worry he might drop too soon. He's like, oh shit, no. Yeah, no, doesn't even feel it. <laughs> he's like, you slow old man. He's like, yeah, he's right. But the fight continues, the fight continues, and there is a page especially where it's just punch after punch, breaks his arm at one point. I should say, there's the mutant leader breaks Bruce's arm. He almost um, passes out. <laughs> he's like, cold, cold, no, don't go in the shock. You know, where are you, dick? As if he was waiting for, you know, Robin to come and save him. And then this is where Carrie Kelly first jumps in and distracts the mutant leader and then Batman's able to throw sort of some uh, smoke bombs into his face mm. um, and then Carrie Kelly drags him back somehow <laughs> yeah. I mean he must weigh about 25 stone or something yeah. drag him by the cape or something like that you know? <laughs> <laughs> but then you start to get this is the first inklings of Superman where you've got it cuts to the present I can't help but feel this was Frank Miller knowing the future I always think of George W. Bush as the president in this yeah, okay. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, just, I just do doing the accent in my head now when I'm going to read it. Here, have a mint. I love mints, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, but, oh, I love medals. Nice son. Well, you know, he, I just yeah, read yeah. in George Bush's voice, but this is the first time you see the Superman symbol. And Frank Miller's copped a lot of shit through the years for how he treats Superman in this. Yeah. He's essentially a government stooge, he's a government tool. Like even his first introduction is um, him saying yes sir to the president yeah. and he's like good boy, good boy. yeah and I, but I love how the um, if you ever read it like the way the flag slowly forms into the S yeah. I thought that was a really nice touch yeah there's a lot there's so much symbolism like you know for was it like truth justice in the American way or something mm-hmm. like that you know so yeah you've got the mutant leader still alive but he says he defeated Batman and all the rest 
Um, so Kerry Kelly is able to get Batman back to the Batcave but what's great about it is that this tank is so big there's an operating table in the tank um, and then uh, and he's even like Bruce is even delirious at this point because he's even saying like he's talking to Alfred and he's like no Robin comes with us just because Carrie Kelly's in the Halloween costume essentially <laughs> and he straight up straight up says I'm Bruce as well he doesn't say say oh, I'm Carrie Kelly what's your name is it oh I'm, my, my name's Bruce and Alfred's like ah, maybe you shouldn't be saying that <laughs> So we get a little bit more of the Joker and the Joker basically just acting to the point where this psycho... I, I get the feeling the psychotherapists in Gotham just want to be like the ones to claim they cured the Joker. Yeah. So the slightest bit of like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm beyond redemption. They're like, yeah, this is the moneymaker here. So this is essentially the Joker carving his way out of Arkham and rejoining society. Yeah. Um, and then really interesting little bit of visual art again where Kerry Kelly's looking at the Robin costume in the glass case. Mm. Um, must be thinking yep that's probably going to be my future right there <laughs> whether she likes it or not yeah even even before that whenever Bruce gets to the cave you know he's still having that inner monologue of the bat essentially like you're not done with me I'm not done yet yeah so he, even if he wants to die he probably won't <laughs> he can't sorry yeah and you see like the eyes of the bat in the mm. dark you know and hisses that kind of thing claiming me as one of your own um, so yeah you get a wee bit of it's more it's, it's, it, it sort of cuts between like their story and then there's sort of like their story world then, building yeah world building and then there's always like the world building's done through the TV like the, the news reports yeah. you know like someone's watching the news and this is how they're they're finding out everything you know it's a good way of giving is it exposition is that the right word like it's, yeah. yeah giving like clarity on what's happening yeah and then what's interesting is as well you, you get the feeling a wee bit of time might pass here with you know Bruce recovering a little bit Mm. In that time, he seems to have inspired copycats because um, a guy gets killed in a diner. Um, he has a gun in his hand. And again, that's an idea Nolan took and took into the Dark Knight where the start of the Dark Knight, there's sort of Batman copycats who are oh, trying yeah. to stop they Scarecrow. Ho hockey pads or something? Yeah. <laughs> What's the difference between me and you? It's like, I'm not wearing hockey pads. Yeah. Um, so, again, that's probably an idea that Miller was one of the first to do. Um Again, you get a lovely splash page again of Carrie Kelly looking a bit too happy to be in Bruce's arms. Yeah, but there's definitely a father-daughter dynamic yeah. that eventually builds up even throughout DK2 and DK3, the, the sort of father-daughter build-up. Yeah, but this very much shows Bruce's point of view at this point as well. Like he's talking, with, he's talking with uh, Alfred and Alfred's trying to reason with him, like, don't drag this innocent young girl into this. You know, She's mm. a sweet young girl. Um, and Bruce is like screw that yeah. the war goes on you know in fact he calls J um, he calls Jason a soldier yeah I even calls Carrie Kelly a soldier near the end he's like oh good soldier good soldier yeah so he comes up with a new idea which is going to use Carrie Kelly to infiltrate the mutants um, so he sort of actually, I actually forgot about that panel as well just the way she's dressed it's so funny <laughs> it's so funny yeah because uh, yeah, the mutant is in jail at this point and then yeah. Gordon sort of pretty much tricks him into coming out doesn't he yeah he so he I think they st they simulate a power cut um, at the police station mm. and then uh, the door opens and there's a little thing over the intercom being like good boy you know what to do with an open door and yeah. he ends up finding a drain pipe um, to escape from yeah. and this is where Batman as a tactician comes into it because the drain pipe leads to this big massive mud pit because what Bruce has basically figured out is, yep, this guy's younger than me, here it is here. Um, 
He's fast, faster than I am, and stronger, and seemingly impervious to pain. But they do come smarter, <laughs> and nobody's very fast when he's thigh deep in mud. Yeah. So Batman straight away shows his viciousness. He slices him just above the eye, um, so that the blood's going to pour into his eyes, and he can just basically take him down. Hits him right in the deltoid, so he can't move his arms or anything. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> and then I'll I'll leave it to you to you know pull out the almost iconic <laughs> line for yeah, this whole fight. The most, yeah. So Batman eventually gets him on the ground and. You know, it delivers the most, probably the most badass Batman quote ever. <laughs> it's like, you don't get it, boy. This isn't a mud hole, it's an operating table, and I'm the surgeon. And like that bit alone, but the bit after is like, something tells me to stop with the leg. I don't listen to it. And the fact that it just looks up at the moon yeah. is just a great way to end that scene. And for me, that that scene alone, and the anime, the anime film does it justice. I actually think it does it better than the book because mm -hmm. it's so, so much more visceral. It just cemented for me, like, yep, yeah, that is that is the best Batman moment I've ever read in my life. <laughs> Only like second being the headbutt from I Am Bane <laughs> in the, the rebirth. It scene. only took them thirty odd yeah. years to you know, find a second best one for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what what's interesting about this is in this version of Gotham, this then leads to the mutants all essentially disowning the idea of being a mutant yeah. and becoming like a soldier for Batman instead so it's like we are <laughs> just shows you how loyal they always go oh yeah we're actually uh, sons, of, so it's the sons of Batman now they're yeah saying. so they essentially you know put face paint on they're like we'll do whatever <laughs> the Batman does we'll be an, an army for him what, uh, I, what I love about that scene more is this it's immense it's immense and to me it's like like brains over brawn type mm -hmm. thing you know Batman is big like but you may be stronger than him yeah, but he's going to he's going to get smarter regardless. Well, he know. also learns from the first fight. The first fight, he is more of an impetuous, like twenty five year old guy. He's yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to prove I can kick <laughs> shit out of you. And he's like, no, maybe not. <laughs> but after he doesn't, he goes away. He learns from it and then comes up with a plan to yeah. obviously take him down. So, um, yeah, so he destroys the mutant leader there. Um, you're now starting to get um, this is Gordon is handing over his badge and gun, isn't it? I do, you know. Yeah, uh, he's a, he's about to be officially um, retired. What's interesting here as well is Gordon says, "I think of Sarah." Now Sarah Essen is who he has an affair with in year one. Ah, okay. So in Miller's version of this, he obviously ends up with Sarah Essen. Yeah. Whereas in year one, he does cheat on her, but Sarah Essen ends up leaving Gotham. I think. Okay. At one point, um, and that's when he's going to try and work on his marriage and so forth. See, I assumed it was just, um. I assume I, I forgot this wife's called Barbara as well yeah. I know yeah, yeah so I was like oh, that might just be uh, in my mind I was like oh he's just talking about Barbara like his wife but it's obviously not you were saying yeah it was from year one but just shows you obviously you know he's creating that sort of universe sort of thing you know yeah. even if it's just a wee simple nod towards towards it yeah and that's all you need really so yeah this is uh, essentially finishing book two and at the end of it you know Batman's very triumphant he's smiling he's in his um He's in his study, just looking out at the moon. You know, he he knows this whole idea of the sons of Batman is coming. He's hopefully, I mean, the whole reason he donned the outfit again was to try and bring a bit of peace to the city, or to try and bring a bit of order to the city at least. Mm. Um, and this now is almost a new way of doing it, rather than just I can do all this myself. Yeah. Um, a wolf howls. I know how he feels. <laughs> so much, so much nice. What like we one-liners that are yeah. to set the tone of the book. So now you're, the next book is called uh, Hunt the Dark Knight. <clears throat> so we, each each book, I should have said before, each book has a title. 
Um, Dark Knight so Returns. Does, so Dark Knight Returns was the first one. Dark Knight Triumphant. Dark Knight Triumphant, Hunt the Dark Knight, and then when we come to it, number four is uh, The Dark Knight Falls. Yeah. So it starts off with this really cool scene. Um, Bruce in disguise, <laughs> but you don't realise it's straight up. Yeah, I, I actually didn't realise it was Bruce until until like he starts fading I was like okay I thought it was just a random old weird looking person <laughs> and then they start sprinting away <laughs> yeah so you've essentially got a feminazi here um, yeah, such a Nazi that um, she has swastikas over her nipples <laughs> um, and they're just doing like a grocery store robbery and there's this sort of looks like an old woman carrying a cart who just happens to be there um, but uh, it ends up being that it's actually Bruce in the uh, in the <laughs> I, outfit. I never really got the whole Nazi woman thing because she's in Dark Knight Two, I think, or Dark Knight Three, and it's like they never really. But I think that's just one of like a Frank Miller thing. <laughs> I think it was just <clears throat> creating another villain in the meantime. I think it was just showing the work that Batman was doing in the city and that he was, you know. Obviously, there are these extremists still within Gotham, but he's still. It's not like he thinks he has succeeded in sorting out the city when he yeah. beat the mutant leader. He's continuing with it. <clears throat> but what's interesting is that book three actually begins with Superman narration because the start of it is like. You don't realize it straight away. Again, this is one of the great things about rereading Dark Knight. Yeah. But it's in blue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like, Bruce, you idiot. You'll ruin everything for all of us. I always knew you would. He's referring to the Justice League as he is. Yeah, yeah, and it's clearly someone flying through the sky. So again, you see that, but then you don't see Superman for a little while. Mm. But uh, I do like that when he does take down the people who are trying to rob the convenience store, that the convenience store owner gets his hands on a gun. And he's like, <laughs> now we settle up. And Bruce like, looks back and goes, pull that trigger and I'll be back for you. <laughs> it's um, just this wee weird goblin looking thing running through <laughs> the sea. <laughs> or something. Um, but at this point as well you're starting to see Carrie Kelly getting a bit more proficient mm. um, she seems to use a slingshot as her weapon of choice <laughs> but even just there the part where the feminazi is shooting at Carrie Kelly she doesn't look worried or horrified or yeah. um, she just sort of naturally gets out of the way so this is I almost get the feeling this is part of her training Yeah. Um, with Batman continuing here as well um, so yeah you get this kind of stuff <clears throat> so you do and then obviously Bruce ends up catching up to her and um, taking her down and then again you're getting these lovely splash pages again a very very iconic yeah. image that's of, been recreated so many times uh, like a million Car times Harley Quinn and yeah there's also that, that bit as well where if you go back one page sorry like you see Superman mm -hmm. it's like that bit is like oh no not not like not him not now oh, I, I can't believe I just went past that yeah <laughs> you're right um, yeah so it's got to the point where Bruce is fighting the feminazi and then it's like the narration is softening up she'll start talking soon what's that sound the floor it's shaking not an earthquake do not panic whatever it is it's localized i'm moving across gotham south side and yeah, it's like it just comes out and just blasts out. not him <laughs> not now and then just this like it almost looks like a blue laser beam but it's yeah. obviously superman at the speed of light just going <laughs> um and then you hear this Something leaps a tall building with a single bind. We <laughs> throw back the Superman origins. Um, but I even like that he's Superman's able to speak at some sort of frequency, or maybe he's speaking in the Batman's. Um, maybe it's just over the over the scene. But he's like Bruce. We have to talk. Yeah. Giving away his identity as well. By the way, bloody Clark. Yeah, <laughs> never. Um, 
But I like the Bruce's responses. I'm busy tonight. You've just cost me hours. <laughs> Fine, we'll talk tomorrow morning. My place, stay out of my way until then. I've, you know, basically, I've still stuff to do. Giving orders to the most powerful man on the planet. Yeah, yeah. there's only one person could do that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that that I like again. All the splash pages of this are so iconic, yeah. <laughs> and they all have Batman taking up so much of the page as well. You know, and now, and now Carrie Kelly is taking up a big chunk of the page. Well, you, know. you would love to see that original art. I'm mm-hmm. telling you. Um, so yeah, you've got uh, Batman and Carrie Kelly doing some investigation, doing some bits and bobs. They come across this um, exploding doll. This is all going to lead up to what the Joker's plan is. Um, but now you start to see Clark in all his glory. <laughs> Um, so Clark and Bruce have this um, chat which I present well Bruce said at my place so this is yeah. obviously like a ranch part of you know Bruce's uh, Wayne Manor and so forth but it's interesting Superman doesn't look any older yeah I think um, in the uh, in the animated series he has like is he not next I'm almost certain he's next to a bald eagle or something is, is he not next to like an American flag or something he's like yeah, a proper, proper patriot something like that you know whereas Bruce is in the background petting the wolf <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so essentially... Um, oh, that's over there. Sorry, there's like an eagle. Like right there. Uh, right there. <laughs> so yeah, at this point, Superman is essentially doing whatever the president wants. And the president has basically said, you know, we need you to sort this whole Batman problem out. Because the the political side of, of Gotham and of, I suppose, of America at this point, they don't want Batman back. No, Gotham's um, a bit of a joke. <laughs> at all. Gotham is like a slum state. Um, they don't care, but they don't want this essentially criminal... Because there is a line in here of, you know, we're criminals, Alfred, yeah. we've always been criminals. Um, I, I really like, it's sort of subtle, but there's a lot of tension in this scene with just Bruce and Clark talking, and they're just, you know, Bruce, Bruce is sitting there like, yeah. you're not going to stop me, you know, and everybody's like, well, I'm going to have to stop you. It's like, well, you made the best man win, <laughs> no, I mean, it's so, it's so cocky, and then obviously, Bruce, uh, Clark leaves. Yeah. Uh, was that, is that supposed to be like Nixon or something? Like the, the, who the president's looked after. <laughs> Quit little we seen there with Alfred actually just after Superman flies away. Alfred, your accountant's waiting in the West Wing, sir. Bruce, tell him I'm sick. <laughs> Alfred, shan't have to lie. <laughs> I have a refugee charity called Bruce write them a check Alfred the committee for prevention of obsessive behaviour in middle aged men right Bruce down. write them a check very good sir your sense of humour is king as ever um, but now you start to see the, the, the part of Superman he's going to defuse a, a national situation this is um, very it's almost like Cold War type thing yeah uh, it seems like you know, it's like stopping because it looks like a Russian missile yeah. like a star type thing you know, and you also get a bit of information on other characters within the DC universe here. Just fleeting mentions. You know, Diana went back to her people. Hal went to the stars. Yeah. I've walked the razor's edge for so long, but you, Bruce, you and your wild obsession. <laughs> um, so now we're at a point where the Joker is going to go on television. Um, <laughs> just like psychiatrists are just such idiots in Gotham. It's ridiculous. Let's <laughs> let this guy loose. Yeah, it's just like, oh, we're going to put him on the news, and you know, we're going to show how. Um, I show how we have helped you know redeem you but there's a great wee panel there where the psychiatrist says the Joker just be yourself <laughs> it's the worst thing you could be you sort of give a wee look as well yeah. <laughs> like, are, you, are you sure so uh, yeah so at this uh, sorry I should say at the same point that Joker's getting ready to go on TV the police Yindel has made it her um, she hates Batman essentially yeah, her main quota as the new commissioner is we're going to hunt Batman down so they're hunting him and hunting him but of course Batman gets away and you know he keeps moving in out of smoke and all that kind of stuff um, 
But you have Joker on this uh, chat show, and Joker's just like, yeah, I'm going to kill everyone in this room. Just you watch. They're like, ah, good joke. <laughs> <laughs> Coughing really loudly. <laughs> you know, and, and this sort of shows, like, what are the Gotham PD thinking at this point? They're using all this resources, attack helicopters, loads of their best SWAT trained agents <laughs> to hunt down Batman instead of policing this... <laughs> proven lunatic who's on a talk show instead of increasing security around it yeah they allow that to happen because they're so obsessed with hunting down batman i know um joker's looking pretty uh he's pretty big there as well isn't it? In, the, in where he's talking to him he's pretty jacked it looks like <laughs> yeah it does look a bit more jacked than normal i would say um but yeah so it's interesting as well that, that this was something um frank miller was always criticized for that um, he basically turned Catwoman into a prostitute. Mm. Um, no one else had really done this. In year one, she actually is a prostitute, but in this one, she is, um, it says here, Kyle Escort Service, so she's almost become like a madam. Yeah. Um, so she has, it just, um, and the Joker comes to see her, and he actually kidnaps her. So he does. Um, but Bruce ends up catching up with her and, and freeing her. What's interesting is when he does catch up and free her, she's dressed up as Wonder Woman, <laughs> which is a bit weird. Um, and and she actually says to him, you know, he's worse than ever. Yeah. Um, so the Batman now makes it his mission to go after the Joker, and this leads to some of the best stuff in the book, I think. Yeah, um, proper in like the meat of the book now. Like, yeah. the, <laughs> like everything's been established, all the characters have been established. Like now we're going to set up the storyline where it's the Joker and then after Joker it's like Superman so yeah then, you know. well it's almost like with because this is I mean obviously this there was more books that you know came out of this as a result but I think what Miller was trying to do with this was he was trying to show his last the last time he'll he'll fight Dent the last time he'll fight Joker the last time he'll fight Superman yeah. they're trying to show all of his sort of final confrontations almost mm-hmm. so we've already had Dent at this point now we're on the Joker who suddenly feels alive again because Batman's back to challenge him and you know he runs in the end of the fairground or like a circus type thing in there. Yeah. yeah so he's in the fairground he's setting off smoke bombs I'm no doubt laced with you know Joker toxin and so <laughs> forth but he's just straight up killing people I think as well <laughs> or is he's injuring people at least well it's, there's some great stuff here because obviously Batman will always hold back slightly when it comes to Joker he doesn't want to kill him mm-hmm. but there's a part here where Batman's got batarangs in his hands like no Joker you're playing the wrong game the old game as if <laughs> to say look I've changed I understand that it maybe takes more yeah. and he says tonight you're taking no hostages boom batarang straight in the eye yeah. and even Joker says out of your mind <laughs> which has to be one of the most ironic lines of all time yeah um, but yeah, so you've got Carrie Kelly off. She's trying to save hostages on uh, roller coasters and stuff like that. So it leaves Batman the Joker to be what? Mano a mano. Um, sort of like either it's running the House of Mirrors, you're saying. Sort of, like, <laughs> sort of like that you're saying that Detective Comics one shot where the Joker makes Batman go through all yeah. the lights. <laughs> but you gotta love this as well. Like, like the Joker, it's a weird thing to say almost, but this Gotham is so deprived and like kids are so desensitized to violence. They actually look at the Joker, for lack of a better term, as a bit of a joke. Yeah. Like, Joker's running through the Hall of Mirrors, and this little kid goes, you're the Joker, right? Batman's going to kick your ass. <laughs> like, if this was 30 years prior, if a kid saw the Joker, they'd run the other way. They'd mm. get away from it as soon as possible. But in this case, they're like, hi, you're an idiot. We're going to mm. we're gonna take you down. Um, so we are. And then Batman, there's some great art there where the in the mirrors in the background it just has oh Batman yeah I, I actually never noticed that before yeah it has them sort of warped in different ways there and 
it's actually Joker hunt, or sorry, Batman hunting the Joker, yeah. um, and the Joker actually ends up shooting him because he does say, "Oh, he gets a good one in," yeah. and then this leads to just a really great fight between the two of who wants it more, almost. Um, so yeah, Carrie Kelly saves everybody in the roller coaster while Batman continues fighting the Joker. They go through a wee, a wee tunnel. We love tunnel. <laughs> tunnel of love. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Um, Schneider explored a lot of this later on with Death of the Family where Joker always said like you know pardon me I'm your real family I'm your court jester yeah. you know I complete you you complete me and that's very much what this seems to be doing you know as you say like tunnel of love that they're in <laughs> you know that's how the Joker ultimately dies he um, just stabs him right in the rib there or right in the stomach yeah. you know, they're both laying there like bloodied and beaten <laughs> but uh, Batman's actually broken his neck and then the Joker finishes it himself, basically, doesn't he? Yeah, because yeah, I always got confused about that. But I was like, did the Joker just kill himself? Yeah, so <laughs> you see it on the, So you've got this double page spread, which culminates in, you know, Joker lying there dead and Batman holding his chest. But on the left hand page, you see like a sort of a crack, and Batman has his hands on Joker's face. Yeah. So you get the feeling he's sort of broken his neck there, because Joker doesn't really struggle afterwards. But then when you get to the second page, there's a little bit here. With the devil's strength, he twists and twists what le- what's left of his spine goes. So in a sense, the Joker kills himself. Yeah. You know, Batman was close to doing it, but... He paralyzed him, he said, yeah. Yeah. P- paralysis, really, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that culminates the end of that. And that was a great way to end book three. Yeah. Book four begins exactly where, it's, where book uh, three ended. So the police think they've got Batman cornered. Um, in the tunnel of love, so they send in loads of backup and all the rest. But he spits on the he spits on the Joker's face <laughs> in that first panel. Just I waste, I waste one second <laughs> with a goodbye. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty much Carrie Kelly getting them out of there. Yeah, and uh, did they have like I don't know they they have like a bat copter the bat helicopter type thing? Yeah, because he just sort of hooks on. Yeah, and just like get me out of here type thing. Yeah bleeding out essentially there's some great stuff there where it's um, Batman looks back at the Joker who's now his whole body's on fire <laughs> Batman's like stop laughing <laughs> sort of thing but yeah as you say it's a big massive uh, action set piece Batman ends up getting hooked up to the um, and again this is something that Nolan took in the Dark Knight there's yeah. the part in the building when he goes to China or sorry Hong Kong Yeah. and he needs to get out of the building quickly and he gets yanked out by the helicopter. Okay. Um, so that's something. years since I've watched the Dark Knight films. That's just a travesty in itself. <laughs> that's, a whole, that's a whole other podcast. Um, right? I know what we're watching once we finish recording. <laughs> um, yeah, so you're into the last uh, book. So um, This is just. This is all Superman based, really. Yeah, it's all leading to now. Superman's basically realized if I don't stop him, no one will. There's a little line of dialogue there in his head saying, Bruce, it's over. Yeah. Um, and someone says you look tired Kent which to me isn't saying he looks tired it's just saying that he looks resigned to what he has to do now and he's just like I really don't want to do this but I have to do it mm. um, it's also the first time it shows the, the idea of the heartbeat which you will see obviously utilised oh, yeah, more uh, further in um, but yeah so Superman essentially um, flies across to Gotham Stops a nuke on its way, of course. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and people say that he hits Frank. He hits Superman. He make them look. He does make him very <laughs> heroic several times. But I do wonder if they're trying to say that this is why Batman's able to beat him because he's weakened by the nuke. Oh yeah, that's um, true. But uh, yeah, so it's all leading to this big confrontation now um, with. 
Batman and Superman. And uh, another, again, another stunning splash page so, of Batman's it's, it's on a so, big massive horse. It's so good they make it. A, they made it a statue. They did make a statue. <laughs> yeah, at this point, it was like an EMP or it was a nuke detonated over the atmosphere and shut out all the electricity, yeah. which caused like riots. And then Batman takes the horse into the town and to try and restore order. Yeah, yeah, because you've got half of the mutants are still loyal to the mutants but the other half are now the sons of Batman so to speak so there's riots in the street and you know the mutants are breaking out of jail and then that's when um, they all start sort of fighting amongst themselves um, he has his own wee personal army here where he's like you know tonight, tonight we are the law stuff like that so it's so cool <laughs> and then yeah so as I say you've got Superman who had helped sort of stop this nuke he is um, trying to recover he's saying like I only need to reach the sun Mm. Um, oh, he's shriveled up by the uh, <laughs> shriveled up by the nuke, doesn't he? Yeah, comes a skeleton essentially. It's pretty, pretty creepy looking zombie, Super, Superman zombie. <laughs> not, not to be revisited for another thirty years and deceased. <laughs> um, so yeah, as you say, Batman's trying to bring order back to the streets again. Another great splash page with yeah. Batman on the horse, the sons of the Batman falling, Carrie Kelly on a horse as well. They're trying to bring peace back to Gotham. Um, and then that all leads to Oliver Queen actually I've, we always do forget about this part <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah as I say so Batman's brought a bit of order back to the street and then they're saying like one week later it's still dark at high noon it's still winter in August but you know things are improving um, but now it's reached the point where he's been there essentially right. Superman's on his way yeah that's <laughs> that, that bit that great page there where it just says where question yeah. mark yeah <laughs> Because they know it has to happen now. Yeah. So, leads to a confrontation in the street where um, Clark thinks that uh, Bruce is in the Batmobile, but he actually tears it open, and mm. there's Gary Kelly with a uh, slingshot. And <laughs> <laughs> so, man's like, isn't tonight a school night? <laughs> and then now we're into the meat and bones of it. So, this is essentially, again, what was... Um, the basis for the fight in Batman v Superman. Yeah. Um, I think it takes the same beats, but obviously it has a different outcome. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of the same beats. I mean, they even recreated some of the panels. There's a part in it. So Batman at this point is in sort of his mech armor bat suit and uh, armored bat suit, I should say. Mm. And uh, there's a part where he punches Superman. It's like this big splat, sort of half splash page. They recreated that perfectly in yeah. the movie. Like even they even got where the capes were <laughs> down to down to a T. But, uh, yeah, so there's this big, massive fight between the two. Um, and Superman has Bruce on the ropes, but as we said, Oliver Queen comes in at this point and he actually fires a kryptonite uh, arrow at Superman, which he catches, but then it explodes around him. Mm. That's, um, where he, that's where he pretty much gets, gets stuck into him. He's like, well, now he's weak. This is the best chance you're going to get, you know. But even still, what's great here is, I mean, people, as I say, have accused Miller of hating Superman. But even at this point where he's weakened, one of the first things he says is, Bruce, your heart. As if he's like, yeah. you're going to die here. I don't want you to die. But what's interesting is he says, Bruce, your heart. And then Bruce like, you're beginning to get the idea, Clark. This is the end. <laughs> yeah. Because um, obviously he's got a plan for getting out of here. But, um, yeah, they have this great big fight. And... If you're listening to this, Keelan, this is where it proves that Batman yeah. is better than Superman. <laughs> I want you to remember, Clark, in all the years to come, in your most private moments, I want you to remember my hand at your throat. I want you to remember the one man who beat you. 
and then this is where you get the the heartbeat and you think Bruce Wayne is dead um, which you know clearly Alfred can't take because <laughs> yeah, he just straight up dies straight up dies like um, the next way, day Wayne Manor explodes as well well so. that's it Alfred had set up this protocol where everything was going to explode and everything was going to um, be destroyed um, but that doesn't stop the word getting out like they figure out that you know Bruce Wayne was Batman yeah. um, and that's all reported in the news it's at Bruce's funeral you've got Selina who's disconsolate you know she's looking at Clark going son of a bitch I know you killed him um, and Clark looks rather disconsolate but as he walks away of course you get that famous ending oh, Carrie okay. Kelly standing in the background and uh, she, she dressed oh yeah, she dresses she's in disguise because <laughs> she's waiting for everybody to leave so she can essentially dig up the body just, um, just, just put in the ground she's already digging him up but you know as Clark's starting to walk away you can just hear like a little heartbeat a little murmur then he looks at Carrie Kelly and sort of winks at her as if to say, <laughs> I know he's alive, but yeah. well played, I'll leave you to it. Um, and then Bruce has a plan and leads on to DK2. <laughs> uh, yeah, DK2, not quite the same uh, masterpiece yeah. that Dark Knight Returns is. Um, but yeah, uh, the best Batman story ever written. Oh yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> Unshakable, unless, you know, some Miller, some higher rates, another Dark Knight Returns quality book. <laughs> I mean, Superman's. I like Superman so far. Superman Year One's been good so far. I mean, we, we should say this is Frank Miller at his absolute peak. He yeah. had been writing Daredevil for Marvel. He was writing, you know, Batman. He had done Ronan, which was um, his own sort of story. He had then went on to do Year One. Yeah. DK2 then comes along and that sort of begins a bit of a downward trajectory for Miller and he becomes less proficient with the work he's doing um, but then comes back with DK3 although that was co-written by Bran Azrello yeah. and I have a soft spot for DK3 I think it's good I think it's very good I don't think it's Dark Knight Returns level good but I don't think anything ever will <laughs> but a lot of the, yeah I would, I would agree with that plus he totally changes his opinion on Superman and DK3 I think I start to still used to great moments with both of them in the the Kryptonite Reign Kryptonite Reign is definitely probably the best part yeah because Batman has built a suit in DK3 that can withstand the Kryptonite Reign for Clark yeah so that he's not affected by it um, the big smiley has on it as well it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a frown isn't it yeah yeah, um, yeah I mean for me I, I always say Dark Knight Returns in my top three it and Hush are immovable yeah, and Court of Owls is usually the third one. Though sometimes Long Halloween creeps into it, depending on my mood. Um, what would you say is your favorite scene? Um, for me, it has to be taken down the mutant leader. Yeah, probably. It has that, to that, be. that 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 like that's like okay, yeah. Doesn't I mean, get... there's there's so many great moments in it, um, but that is just because the thing is as well, it's it's a shorter fight than I remember. Like, see the first time he fights the mutant leader, it's about 10 pages long. Yeah. See when he comes back and takes him in the mud, it's two pages. It's like you, efficient, yeah. dumb. <laughs> it's like, get out of the way. Sure. Yeah, people are going to start following me So um, after this. Um, yeah, I can't emphasize it enough. I mean, we, we will always have Dark Knight Returns in stock if it sells. It's straight back in. Um, I don't think they're ever going to stop printing it. <laughs> I would say not. I mean, it's it's been printed in so many ways. Absolute editions, you know... 30th anniversary editions, 20th anniversary editions, 10th anniversary editions. That's a man with 30th anniversary edition, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's... leather-bound one as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing to think it's 33 years later and no one has bettered it. Um, no. And that's that's in every possible aspect, whether it's art, story, yeah. writing. I think that's that's one of the best things as well. Is like, even if you know, people may not like Frank Miller, but it's just sort of like, sort of like a wee 
glute, glute full things. You know, like, yeah. oh, I, I may, may not like him, but you know, he wrote the best Batman story ever written. <laughs> and stuff like, if people who know me, like, I love to joke about it. Yeah. I, I do like, I do believe it, but I also love because I know people don't like him as much as they used to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, what's interesting is, yeah, as I say, he wrote this, which was essentially the last Batman story, or at least him when he's older. And then a couple of years later, he would write an origin story called Batman Year One. Yeah. If I was gonna, if someone was new to Batman, though, I wouldn't give them Dark Knight Returns no, straight I, away. I, no. Um, it's a bit too heavy. It's a bit too dense. Which is one of its strengths. But if you're new to the medium, I would I would start with Year One, or I would start with Court of Isles, um, even Hush maybe. Mm. But I think with this. Once you've read Batman a bit, maybe then give them. I was like, oh yeah, tend to change your opinion on everything you've ever known about Batman. That's it, right? <laughs> then you hand them the Bible that is you know, <laughs> Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean, to emphasize just how important it's been, it's it's influenced everything, as I say, from the Nolan movies to Batman v Superman lifted heavily from it. Um. There's been the animated adaptations, which are very very good. Very uh, I would say. And as I say, like its influence is still being felt through. I mean, I I would defy any comic creator, whether they're an artist or writer, to not have at least read this at least ten times. Yeah. Um. It's just it is a masterpiece of storytelling and a great example of how good the comic medium can be. Um. Yeah. Can't really give it any higher praise than that. Definitely ten out of ten for me. <laughs> five out of five, maybe five out of five, ten out of ten. <laughs> 10 out of 10, just enough bats. Yeah, just enough bats. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. So that's us warbling on for a good, uh, Jesus, hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> Longer than I expected. Uh, I'm getting the looks, for, I'm getting the usual looks from Vicky when I uh, stated this will be 30 to 45 minutes. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a book that just demands conversation. And uh, yeah, can't recommend it highly enough. So yeah, I'd just like to thank Jared for taking time out to come and do this with me before he deserts us all. Thank you very much for I appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, there's no better book to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I'll just leave it on a note of you know this was obviously doing Dark Knight Returns. This is the book that meant so much to Jared. This is an open invitation to anybody who comes into the store. If you ever want to sit down and chat about a book that meant something to you, um, a book that got you into comics. That's the whole idea for this. One of, one of the things we like to preach at Coffee and Heroes is you know community and inclusiveness and you know we we love to have a conversation about this stuff we love to get everybody involved so this is not a closed network I really want this to be an open network if people do want to chat about it and they're happy to record it and yeah. obviously we put it out there but you have to start with the best first <laughs> obviously you know it's it's all downhill from here <laughs> you know, maybe I should just stop this idea right now yeah um no, as, as I say, this is completely open to anybody who's interested in it, so just pop in the store and we can, we can have a chat. Um, but yeah, until next time, again, just like to thank Jared for joining me, and uh, See you later. I'm sure I will be recording again soon. Cheers, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm.